This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Trisha. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Paddy and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventures in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> wow. Is this I, don't, I don't know why I did that. That was it. I'm starting it. Welcome to episode 49 oh, this of is the half-measure podcast. This is it. It's because, Paul... Uh, recently, we were we were guests on the Time uh, Traveling Tent podcast, and Patty on there made mention that um, some of my intros sometimes sound like wrestling intros. And all week, I've been thinking, let's get rid of the rumble. And I thought, you know what? That's what I'm going to come in with today. So, episode forty nine. I'm joined by my co-host Paul Knauer. How are you, pal? I'm really good. What I love is how you never you never give me any indication as is the prep that we do on this podcast, you know, of what you're going to say or do. So I never know if you're just messing about and you're going to, you know, say, oh, no, I'm just messing about and start recording again. So uh, that's a good one. That's what, that's one for the history books, that opening. I loved it. You know what? If you can sing on the pod, then I can, you know, do my announcer voice. I'm sure I'll look back on it and cringe, but you know what? You only live mm. once. Mm. Speaking of only living once, Paul, what have you been watching? Well, then a couple of things this week. Uh, both very, very different. Uh, and then I have a third thing. So there's only three things. The third thing you and I watched together uh, uh, before we go into the movie of the week. So um, I'll save that then. Bridgerton, Dan. I've been watching Bridgerton. I don't know if you've seen this or not. This is uh, this is uh, Netflix. And it's an amazing watch. So Bridgerton is set in like 18... 18- I don't know, something 1800, something in London. And it's the tale of the Regency rivalry between the Bridgerton family and the Featherington family. And it's just, it's such a watchable series. I had such a great time. For me, it kind of takes the 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 best parts of a lot of British period dramas. So things like uh, Downton Abbey or, or like that BBC adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And then they just really ramp it up a few gears and um it just gives that you know that period drama thing a bit of an upgrade with i guess more modern race and gender attitudes it's um it's quite explicit but it's you know it's very tasteful it's very funny the music is modern and they just give it a lot of color and vibrancy and, and took it in a direction that other you know period dramas like this don't tend to go in and I guess I should explain when I say the music is modern, sorry, I should clarify what I mean is the music is still orchestral and still has a classic sound. But if you listen to the to the melodies being played, they're actually using a whole bunch of of songs by modern artists like um, Ariana Grande, uh, Billie Eilish. And the one that I was able to, to spot all by myself was um, Taylor Swift uh, with The Wildest Dreams. But it's, it's really worth a watch and uh, I can't wait for the second season. That's a pretty rave review there, Paul. Samara actually started watching this show and she said to me, do you want to watch this with me? And I I kind of dismissed it thinking it probably wasn't something for me. And she's kind of, she laughed and giggled all the way, all the way through the show. And she Mm -hmm. also raved about the the music. Um, And after every episode, she'd be like, this definitely isn't for you. This definitely isn't for you. But I'll, I'll tell you, over the last week, I've heard so many people talk about this show. And when I say so many people, like this is up there with Queen's Gambit level of people talking about how great Bridgerton is. So I wonder whether maybe I, I should have watched this one with her. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say you wouldn't enjoy it at all. It's, uh, 
it's just that it's just very different. It's like it's own, it's credited its own genre in some respects, and it's produced by uh, Shondaland is the name of the company, which is Shonda Rhimes's company. And of course, you know she's famous for writing and producing you know, Scandal and uh, Grey's Anatomy. And I think her style and her bravery and her uh, her, her vision um, for what this genre could look like has has really paid off. And then we've we've got this great cast as well, who are really convincing. And what's really interesting for me is I'd hardly seen any of them in anything before. The only people I recognised was uh, we had Polly Walker from from Line of Duty and Caprica, uh, Ruth Gemmell, who I knew from Fever Pitch with Colin Firth, and then of course uh, Nicola Cufflin, who you and I both found absolutely hilarious in in Dairy Girls. Um, oh, and the other person who everyone knows but you never see is Julie Andrews, who narrates this whole series um, as this sort of mysterious, almost magazine writer of the time. And at the age of 86, I think she still has such a brilliant voice for this part. And it's kind of like the heartbeat of this series. And she's connecting the dots for people like me who are probably missing some of the more intricacies of the of the story. But the, what's really sells it is the writing and then the two main leads. And so we have um, we have uh, Phoebe Dinever, who plays the eldest Bridgerton daughter, and then Reggie Jean Page, who plays the Duke of Hastings. Never seen them before. They were both completely new to me, but so well cast. They play off each other really well. They have a real natural chemistry. It's really genuine. And yeah, I, I think they've both kick-started their careers and will be household names so um yeah definitely a, a recommendation and uh season two's already been announced so can't wait for it sounds like you're giving it all the guns indeed indeed i should uh very 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 bingeable and and that's something i wouldn't say for the second thing i'm going to talk about even though i had a great time with the second thing i'm going to talk about and that second thing as i mentioned last week star trek's Lower Decks aired in New Zealand uh, and Australia and the U- the UK and Europe. In fact, pretty much most places other than North America who had it like six months ago. So this is the, the ninth Star Trek series since the 60s, but it's only the second ever animated um, Trek since uh, the, the old 70s one. But what this series does, of course, that no other series has done before, if you'll allow me that pun, is is dive into comedy and like head first and it is such a treat i don't have an objective opinion as to whether it would be funny for non-star trek fans because i'm there just lapping up every single line every little thing in the background every every little reference to something that is from whether it's from the original series or whether it's from voyager or just and of course, the more geeky and nerdy you are, the, the more things you spot, and it just goes on from there. Um, it's the reason I said I didn't enjoy it as a binge is because it's kind of um, you. You're sort of having this really. It's okay. So first of all, it's done by Mike McMahon, who you know is um, Rick and Morty, and it's a real intense pace comedy. And I feel like watching it in one go. Is, is is a little bit much it's um it's it's just kind of uh it's it's like having a bag of lollies and you just eat the whole thing in one sitting you're probably going to enjoy it if you if you don't do that and so I, I don't think this is how this is meant to be consumed but after waiting six months to watch it i couldn't help myself and so i just i literally watched the whole thing uh within sort of i don't know like four hours or something like that yeah well, that sounds a bit like um, how I watched Sex Education, the the latest season, and where you actually just watch so much of it that it starts to lose a, a little bit of its charm. I am, I guess, I am. It's sort of a, a mix. I guess you're not really giving a mixed review, are you? Because uh, I know you've been talking about wanting this show for such a long time, um, and now that it's finally here, and to sort of consume it all in one go seems almost quite and Paul Canawa, like I would have thought yeah. you might have, um, you know, savoured this like a piece of Easter chocolate over over several several weeks. Ideally, I would have. And if I hadn't had waited so long, and there are people who have watched it and who have been, I'm going to say, borderline bullying me into, get on there and watch it, you know, because they, they, they just want to talk about it. And I know what that's like because I do that to people all the time. And so I felt compelled to do so. But um no, I really did enjoy it. So yeah, I don't want it to come across as a mix of you. It's just simply 
my recommendation to anyone is just, just just take your time with it and savor it because when you think about those shows that we really enjoy like mandalorian like better call saul like i love star trek picard i cannot imagine binging star trek picard you know or even the mandalorian think about how we were able to savor those episodes week by week if we'd done it all in one day it just wouldn't be the same so that's what I, that's the vibe i'm going for here i guess when i'm talking about uh not being a mixed review the, everything is just is just immaculate for me in terms of star trek comedy the opening credits are absolutely superb the style the font is all just a complete homage to the next generation the music is fantastic um and there's just things like in the opening credits the ship turns up at a battle with the borg and you just see it rather than get involved it kind of hovers awkwardly for a second then it sort of does actually that's not for me and does a u-turn and just gets out of there which is a completely unstaffly unfederation type thing to do and that's what this whole series is about this whole crew are not they're not like a Starfleet crew or federation crew they're just like a a modern day crew that are kind of out for themselves and um there's just there's so many star trek jokes that i could talk about which just depending on who listens to this podcast will, will mean absolutely nothing um they oh, this just oh, the music in it is just fantastic they they do this thing where they go into the holodeck and they they emulate the music from the wrath of khan and search for spock which is just amazing because but that music hasn't been played since the 80s because it was never used anywhere else and it's just wonderful they have a photo of kirk and spock and they use a picture from the 1970s animated series which was which is really great. Um, they've got a guy who has like this cybernetic implant thing and he finds a button on it that changes the modes so he can change his mode from extremely optimistic to British mode to cowboy mode and all these things. It's just, it's, it's, it's just great. Um, and then they sort of make jokes about the fact that they're almost aware that they are a fictitious TV show as opposed to that. They're sort of saying, mm, if this was really happening, they'd send the enterprise, but Hey, you know, artistic license, I guess we have to go do this job. It's just, it's just really watchable. There's so many great cameos. Um, Kurtwood Smith, who's been in Star Trek before. He's also from the 70s show. John Delancey, who plays uh, Q in Star Trek, hasn't been seen since the 90s, pretty much. And then in the finale, we have Riker and Troy from Next Generation show, which is just great because it really grounds it and makes it feel so real to see them come along. And then they're sort of poking fun at Star Trek Enterprise. And oh, it's just great. Really good. Do you think it's uh, one that you might watch again at some point? Like now you've sort of got the initial binge out of the way. You can um, liaise with your fellow red shirts that now that you can actually, you could actually sit back down and, and enjoy it all over again, maybe at a bit of a slower pace. Yeah, definitely. I think that's exactly what I want to do is just watch like a, an episode a week, maybe on a, on a train journey or, or whatever. It's uh, and it's, it's, that's how I, I think we had this conversation about Rick and Morty. Do you remember when we were talking about how they were doing the drop schedule for that? And um yeah, that will be the way forward for me. But I, I already know what's going to happen. Season two will get released in North America and then we'll be waiting six months. And the thing is, there are some people in New Zealand who don't wait for the, the for the series to arrive via a legal channel and they're all watching it via these other means. But of course, as a respectable podcast, Dan, Paul we, Canal, we, we not, just can't do that. Your, you're not dishing on your fellow Kiwis, are you? I, I would certainly not name any names, but if, no, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully now that it's uh, on amazon prime in new zealand hopefully that might speed up maybe it's pathway into the country for season two fingers crossed indeed indeed and so uh other than our movie of the week um the other thing that i've watched this week that i thought we could we could talk about and you already referenced the fact that we were on time traveling team uh, podcast the doctor who podcast in ireland uh that aired this week and we we did a review with them of an adventure in space and time. And I thought we could just give a little bit of an overview of what, what we thought about it on here. And then if people want to get a bit more, they can, they can go listen to that podcast. But, um, so this, an adventure in space and time, it's a, it's kind of a TV movie made in 2013. It's a, it's a dramatization of the, of the early years of Dr. Who, um, all the way back to the start in 1963. And the story is based around the, the BBC executive, uh, Sidney Newman, uh, a novice producer called Verity Lambert, and of course the actor who played the first ever Doctor, William Hartnell. And I guess, you know, in this day and age, it's very easy for us to take for granted how Doctor Who's world famous and, you know, 
despite a few ups and downs, it's basically been a huge success for over 50 years. But for these guys starting out back in 63 to try and get this thing off the ground when there's nothing else like it on, on British TV, it was such a challenge. And it's really that challenge that for me made it such a, a really, a really great watch. What did you, what did you think of this one, Dan? Yeah, I thought this was actually a, a really good movie as well. Like obviously, um, we might have talked about this before, but I'm um, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to Doctor Who. I've got experience sort of watching it um, when I was young, but I, I haven't got in definitely into any of the more the more modern stuff. And I found this movie really really good. They've got a great cast, great story. They um, the way they sort of talk about the origin of how the show was created, some of the the things they had to work through to get over the line, what success finally sort of meant for them was really awesome. And I think. You know, but like you mentioned earlier, Paul, it's really cool to kind of see those sliding doors moments in, in a show's history, you know, because there's so many moments, and I imagine this is the same for lots of stuff that we love, where it all could have collapsed and and there wouldn't have been the, the Doctor Who that we know today. Um, I think this is a, a movie that anyone can enjoy, even if you're not the world's biggest Doctor Who fan. Like As I say, I, I had a great time watching it. Uh, I highly recommend it. And it definitely does awaken a bit of an interest in maybe checking out some more Doctor Who. Yeah, I feel the same way. And uh, like I said on the on the podcast uh, with with Trisha and Paddy, I really enjoyed it despite the fact I'd never really watched many William Hatton episodes, just the odd one here and there. It's kind of the emotional drive of the story. It's just fascinating to see how it was developed. And there are bits that stand out for me like um, – when the the producer Verity Lambert desperately needs those sets and props and things, and so in the end she just resorts to standing over the guy who's going to make it, and so he starts putting together prototype TARDIS console and walls and and later the dialects and other things, and it's just amazing because he's just grabbing anything he can see lying around, and then hey presto we have this this prototype TARDIS and dialects that are pretty much what we have, you know, some fifty years later. So um yeah, there's something about those sort of pioneering sixties low budget old technology shows that you know, and then you throw in the, the challenges of of being like, especially in the case of, of, of Verity being a, a woman working at, at the BBC, um, or the Beeb, as as they call it in the business, um, surrounded by these very old, you know, grey-haired men who have very little respect for her. So a real interesting uh watch. And as you said, Dan, you don't necessarily need to be a, a Doctor Who to get a lot out of giving this one a go. But what I would say, uh, if you are a Doctor Who fan, then you would get a, a i think you'd really benefit from a deeper dive into this which you can do by listening to that podcast um over at um time traveling Tink, and you can find them on uh, facebook twitter and instagram at time Tink. uh and you can also go to teamproductions.com to listen into this one their episode on the 25th of january 2021 it's called ramblings in the tardis an adventure in space and time and once we finished that review with them, we also did a bit of a, a dive into Half Measures podcast, didn't we? About uh, you know what inspired us and uh, how we got started. Which um, I don't think anyone's ever asked me how I've been inspired before. I found that quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> did anyone find it interesting? No, it was um, it was actually great. It was great to be uh, interviewed by another podcast. Uh, they also quizzed us at the end about some of the the TV shows that we regularly talk about. I feel like we didn't do very well in that, kind of embarrassingly, but it, it was fun nonetheless. I, I feel like they might have given us a few bonus points at the end just to make us feel a bit better about life. Yeah, I thought we did. I thought when we got the score, it seemed higher than what we actually did. But um, no, it was it was a great time. We really appreciated being on that podcast. And as I say, if you're a Doctor Who fan, definitely Time Travelling Team podcast would be for you. It's episode by episode review of Doctor Who right from the very beginning, giving an overview of all the stories, the Doctor, the companion and the villains. But uh, that's what I've been watching this week, Dan. I will hand the talking stick to you. What have you been watching? Thank you very much. So I don't have a lot to talk about, but I've watched a lot at the same time. So I mentioned last week that I started watching uh, The Shield, which um, is, God, it's so it's seven seasons and it started back in, in 2002. And so this is on Amazon Prime in New Zealand. So just after our podcast aired last week, I go into Amazon Prime and get ready to watch another episode of this great show I'm enjoying a rewatch of. And a message pops up, well, a message is underneath the title saying, 
this show will be removed from Amazon Prime on the 31st of uh, January. And I'm like, what? There's no way I can get through seven seasons of The Shield. And, you know, we, we had a long weekend here. But I swear to God, Paul, I have watched so much Shield. Like, I think last time I, on the last, last week's podcast, I'd maybe watched two seasons. Mm. How far in are you now? I am one episode into the final season. So, <laughs> do you still have your day job, or have you? Did you quit that? All? No, no, I was fired a long time ago. So, so I'm, um, yeah, I, I've, I've just, I've got to. It's, it's kind of annoying because I've got to the point where I'm, I'm no longer enjoying it. I'm watching it to get it finished, and. You know, I don't want to have to go through non-official mean, means to, to sort of finish this. So I'm, I've been committed to finishing this rewatch because I thought to myself, it might reappear somewhere, but there's no way I'm probably going to pick it up halfway through. So, you know, I don't have a lot to talk about apart from the fact I have just watched a hell of a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. But embarrassingly, I, I, have, I do have a couple of extra things I'll be able to add to this in, in a moment, other shows that I have sort of dabbled in. But, yeah, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going strong for me. It's It's been a, a real roller coaster. Um, it's such an intense show, and it's a, a show I've actually found myself doing a little bit of research on, uh, on on YouTube, and I just don't think it's a show that would get made in today's world. I think, you know, Basically, the, the premise of the show is a, a bunch of cops and who sort of a few of them form what they call a strike team, and they basically deal with uh, drugs and gangs and stuff in LA. And it's a it's a completely white team um, kicking down doors, organizing sort of drug busts. It's it's got corruption. It's got all sorts of like terrible things going on in it, um, and. It's fascinating from the point of view of the the main character, uh, Michael Chiklis, is, you know, you're meant to see him as the bad guy from the start, but you constantly kind of feel, you know, worried for him. You want him to get out of the tough scenarios that he's in. And it's only really in season seven where they really turn that up to make sure that you really don't like him as a as a character. So, yeah, by, the, by next week's uh, podcast, I'll be finished with The Shield. And it's as I say, it's kind of unfortunate because I really was enjoying my rewatch and now having to like basically jam it all down my throat in a, the, you know, the space of eight or nine days has been, it's been horrific. Yeah. So this is like my situation with lower decks, but ramped up to the nth degree, because this is why I'm really enjoying my better call Saul rewatch because I'm just, I'm just doing it when the moment feels right for me. It's not even when I have a free hour. It's like, does it feel like a better call so I And if it does, there's nothing better in the world, as you well know. Um, so I was just doing the maths while you were talking, and I was just having a look on the – there's 88 episodes, and they're about an hour episode each. So you're looking at – you know, even if you were to sit there, that would be over 72 hours, over three days straight, just sitting there nonstop. And so I think, so, you know, how it's kind of been working roughly is so, um, you know, get home from work at about, I don't know, six or something, and I'll just put it on, and then I'll just have it on, and you know, even in the background when I'm doing other stuff, just to keep going, because I've got no time to stop. And so it'll be on then until like 11.30, 12 at night, and I'm just watching episode after episode after episode. And because we're the long weekend here, if I woke up early, put the shield on. If I got home from doing something, put the shield on. It was just on constantly. And even Samara's like, how are you at that episode already? Like she's she's outraged at me. Um but it, look, it's been a it's been a fun time to go back. Um, as I say, it's definitely raised raised quite a few questions, but it's it's still a it's a pretty hard hitting show, I think, and pretty amazing a show like that got made in, in two thousand and two. And it, it's actually kind of made me interested in re-watching a couple of shows uh justified uh which also stars uh, walter goggins and it's the other show that's i've sort of been thinking about a rewatch for a long time on is sons of anarchy so kurt Sutter um is one of the writers and becomes a producer on the shield and he went on to make sons of anarchy and so it's, it's sort of and and obviously a lot of the actors from the shield do make it into sons of anarchy so it's kind of inspired me to to go into something like that but to be honest with you i'm probably going to need a break um and maybe need something a little bit more light-hearted that doesn't have se seven seasons attached to it straight away mm. 
I'm wondering if they have like a support group you can go along. Uh, my name's Daniel Whiting. It's been three days since I last watched an episode of The Shield. You know, it's like some sort of, I don't know, you need some sort of support. I've got this vision of you trying to cram it into every moment of the day. Like you're, you're sat on the couch and maybe you're Skyping someone and then behind the Skype you've got the TV on and, and you, they think you're talking to them, but you're actually just still watching The Shield. It's like this never-ending shield. Too real, Paul. It's too real. Too real. In saying that, so and I think this this happens to me quite a bit when I'm I'm watching a show like this, particularly a rewatch, is I start to think I start to get a little bit nervous about oh what am I going to talk about on half measures because I haven't watched anything new, so I actually started watching a couple of episodes randomly. I wanted something that wasn't going to be too um, too story driven or too deep. So there's a, a documentary on uh, Apple TV, and it's actually been out for. A little while now called The Long Way Up, which uh, stars Ewan McGregor and uh, Charlie Borman. And this is sort of the, a third in a series for them. And it's a documentary of them basically doing the, the Pan America Trail. Um, and they do it on um, electric Harley Davidson's, the Harley Davidson live wire. And it's, it's I remember watching the, the other documentaries, which they're you know, done around Europe and Africa and co um, several years ago and it's kind of been it was quite fun to actually watch you know a, a bit of a, a documentary I'm only a few episodes into it but it's it's good fun just to see some people out in the world living in not living their life not being sort of tied down by seven seasons of the shield to watch in you know 72 hours or something yeah I you know, I am more fascinated by the fact that there is such a thing as an electric Harley Davidson I didn't even know that that was an actual thing I would how far can you go on those things? So the um, we're going to switch into a different type of podcast now. So um, so the Harley Davidson Livewire is a, a new motorbike which only just came out last year. I think you can do a roughly it might be about two hundred uh, kilometers. Like they, they've got quite a quite a range on them. And so one of the interesting things about them, you know, wanting to use electric bikes on this tour is where they were going to charge these bikes because they they mm. travel you know, to Argentina Argentina and um, Brazil, South America, Mexico, etc. And so there's only so many places that they can actually, with this infrastructure, to be able to charge their bikes. Um, so it's sort of just just fascinating to see how they did that. I imagine you know you tried to make this in five years' time, it would probably be fine because there'll be uh, places to charge your your e vehicle all around the world. But um, no, look, it's a it's a good watch. I'm still obviously in the in the early part of their journey, uh, but it's there's always great banter and. You know anything with you and McGregor? I can't help but think Obi Wan, and he look he looks peak Obi Wan in this as well. Like he's kind of got the the shaggy hair, he's got the beard. Like it's almost like he he knows that Obi Wan's kind of in the works, and he's kind of like maintaining the look, building it up. Build it, it, it's really awesome. You should have sold this to me as Obi Wan bikes across America, and I would have started watching it. Probably I put it on the background while I'm doing this podcast and just pretend to be talking to you, but actually be watching it. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, no, that's a good watch. So I'll, I'll carry on watching that probably after the Shield. Um, it's definitely going to be a good cleanser. And then the one other show that I've caught up on is Wonder Vision. So this is the the third episode of a nine um, nine episode show. And so yeah, this was you know the first two episodes of Wonder Vision I really enjoyed. This one. I still enjoyed it, but I've got a lot of it's it's really generating a lot of questions for me about where this is going. And I think what was interesting with uh, I think episode three is episode one and two were in black and white, and then this sort of moved into color. And you can tell they're obviously moving through time. And this episode three has got a real sort of seventies vibe about it. A whole bunch of quirky things are happening. Um, Wanda herself is you know basically is is pregnant at the start of the episode and by the end of the episode she's actually had had twin babies there's there's all sorts of stuff happening there's a whole bunch of um hints and clues i think to where this story might be might be going which we sort of touched on a little bit uh, last week but it looks like there might be some what they call the house of m storylines playing out in this looks like they might be bringing in a bit of a mutant universe it's it's still a lot of fun I am very intrigued still to see how people are finding it in general. I most of the people that I know aren't overly enjoying this TV show, mm. but I'm I'm still in it for the long haul. I think they're going to do some pretty awesome stuff. I know that this is going to all ultimately end up connecting to um, uh, the Doctor Strange movie and the the multiverse. So I think it's fun. I don't really have too much to say about 
just keep watching the space and hopefully you're enjoying one division i'd love to hear your thoughts on it um in our discord channel if you have been watching it but yeah that's me paul that's what i've been watching i i've heard similar things from a few people at my workplace about this series in terms of they haven't enjoyed it as much but i just saw them online that the the episode ratings appear to be going up in general um so this is tied into Doctor Strange, you say. So that's interesting because I'm 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 clearly not up on what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but uh, I really did enjoy the Doctor Strange one. So there could be a, a time for me there at least. Yeah. So the the new Doctor Strange movie, I think it's called the Multiverse of Madness, and so that's one of the the new MCU movies in the in the lineup, and it's also going to be scar um, scarring starring the the Scarlet Witch who's who's Wanda in this. So there's going to be some some great connections between all of this, and you know there's there's sort of this it, lo- it looks like the it looks like Wanda is kind of either imprisoned or trapped in this kind of world. Or whatever's happening, it's it's there's there's um, other elements at play here, and each each week they kind of drop a few more hints and clues about what what might be happening. Okay, well, shall we dive into our movie of the week, Dan? That sounds great. So every week, Paul and I take turns uh, choosing a movie of the week, and this week. The movie that uh, we went with was Queen and Slim. Yeah, so this was uh, Queen and Slim is a, is a 2019 um, American romantic road crime drama film, is how it's described. And the the synopsis for it sounds pretty straightforward. And I'll read what it says here. It just says a couple's first date takes an unexpected turn when a police officer pulls them over. Um, and based on that, you sort of wonder where it might go. But my goodness me, Dan, this movie comes right out the gate and just I found absolutely uh, just extraordinary. Of all the movies, and I, I may have said something like this before, but of all the movies we've done on Movie of the Week, I would say next to maybe Bombshell, this one was the one which I found the the most intense. What did you think? So I didn't know a lot about this movie going into it. I I picked it because I'd actually heard a, a few people recommend it to me, but no one had really given me much context about what we were we were going in for. And I, you know, th- this movie I think speaks to something political, um, and uh, unfortunately, I guess, and unfortunately, also is sort of dealing with things which are actually happening in the in the world today, um, which which is the unfortunate side of it. I think this is one of the, you know, really early into 2021. I think this is one of the greatest movies that I'm I'm, I'm going to see this year. I think it it tells the story. Of obviously, that this this first date that goes wrong, a whole bunch of terrible sort of events um, happen. You get to sort of see the story of, I guess how 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 systematic racism and how all of those sort of big ticket items kind of play out for these this um this couple and it, it's it's a movie that is both shocking uplifting you can kind of have a little bit of a, a laugh with it's pretty sad at, at the end and, and some un- unfortunate things happen but i think the the story that's been told I think is a story that needs to be shared and probably watched by more people in the world that we live in today. Yeah, I think you've you've summed it up really well because this is a really good movie for all the wrong reasons. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking to to watch. It's terrifying how this movie plays out, and as you say, how how real it is, how the world we live in today means this movie, whilst a work of fiction it is, is essentially true on so many levels and it's so sad and so scary to see how quickly in the blink of an eye the lives of you know these these two people just change and they, they go from being on this date which is actually quite a funny date you know how it's sort of like how it's sort of transpired and, and what's happening within the context of that day to suddenly find themselves the the victim of 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 racism to having their lives unnecessarily put into danger to them to them then trying to, to to defend themselves and find themselves in a position that they never deserve to be in and 
because of the color of the skin, they have they just have no chance. They have no choice but to run and to hide and to hope that if even if they manage all of that, whatever they might have wanted for their lives is gone now. Uh, you know that will never be something for them because of the the, the hatred and the the prejudice and the the bigotry of this one racist white police officer who just couldn't help himself. It's uh, it's it's such a tragic watch, isn't it? It is, and I think you know the, the cast is is just absolutely amazing as well. So uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I'm not sure I'm saying saying that right. Um, Jodie Turner Smith, Bokeem uh, Woodbine. Um, we've got Flea from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I think they just did such a, a great job. And I think they they just took us on such a journey because I think. At the very start of the movie, as you say, it's kind of a, a Tinder date that isn't really going that well, that turns into a horrific experience, which then basically spirals out of control. And I think there's actually a whole bunch of other sort of like subtle messages in this film that kind of play out. And one that I noticed, and I haven't done any research on this, so it could just be, you know, what, what am I on? Half measures. Classic half missions. And so when the, the police car, the number plate is 404. I don't know if you, you notice that when, when when the police car pulls up to pull them over. And so 404 is like obviously like an internet era for, for not found. And I, I just want to, it felt like there's a whole bunch of sort of like subtle hidden messages behind that, that basically the, um, the lack of accountability, um, probably of the police, of, you know, of that policeman's actions and, I don't know. I think it's just that it's an intense movie, but I really, really enjoyed it. And, and uh, you know, I I don't say this lightly. I think this is going to be one of my the, my most favorite movies that I've watched this year. And, and we're early in. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying, which is what I was didn't articulate quite as well as you there, but sort of saying you know, it's a good movie for all those wrong reasons because it's so important to watch. It's so hard-hitting. Taking into account the, you know, the horrific unthinkable situation that these two find themselves in uh, um their journey together and their relationship that forms uh between them is is the heart of this movie it's so compelling it's so real uh their feelings because they're in so much danger they they've been treated so unfairly that the bond between them just just grows and grows and there's some really uh just incredible little moments in the movie like when they stop for gas and then they they stop and they go listen to some music and they go into that club thinking that, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere and no one will recognize them. But of course, nearly everyone does recognize them because they're all over the newspapers and the, and the TV stations. And yet the people there have their back. And um, that's they're, they're just those wonderful human moments where people, including that police officer, you know, do the right thing. They do the moral thing and they put their own career at risk to help these people out. It's um it's it's just it's just so tense and your emotions are so charged and they're right on the surface that I I guess I almost have to take a step back to to sort of you know how when we talk about the movies you know we sort of analyze them from a movie point of view I need to really sort of take a step back and to be able to sort of say things like it's really well directed it's really well produced it's um it's another one of those movies that is slow pace you know which I always say you know I really get a lot of it's quite a long movie so there's plenty of time for those those more simple scenes like them eating a meal together to be, to be really drawn out. And the conversations in those scenes are just, are just so good. It just, it succeeds on so many levels. It's just such a, a just such a tragedy to, to watch. And the ending is just, I can't cope. I think too, it's, it's, I think it's just a movie that more people need to watch. And I think, you know, when I first saw the the poster for this movie, I, I didn't really know what to think because obviously I don't know about in New Zealand here, it's um, shown as sort of a, a black and white tile on on neon is where where we watched it, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I, I kind of thought the movie was going to be in black and white, but the way that kind of all played out, that that sort of turns out to be a, a photo from when they're getting their car fixed. And there's just so many like little moments in this film that really kind of just speak to everything going on. And I, I I just can't even imagine watching this movie like when it first came out in 2019. Like it wasn't even that long ago when you know, the George George Floyd stuff happened. And, again, I just, you know, when people talk about how do you sort of educate yourself about some of these things, this is by no means the only way. But I think 
looking at it, watching a movie like this helps you kind of get like a different level of empathy and compassion for people at a different level. And, you know, we talk about, you know, all the time movies, oh, this makes me want to go back and watch this. This makes me want to go and find out some more about this. I think this is one of those movies where, you know, it probably will inspire you to sort of want to find out more, want to want to ask more questions, and I think that's a good thing. Definitely is, and you you made the comment about the two lead actor actresses being great, and I, I agree. I really had not seen uh, Jodie Turner Smith in in anything before, but she she was very very strong in the role. But um, Daniel Kaluuya um, as as the lead actor, uh, I've only ever seen him in. Um, the movie we watched um, together and did as a movie of the week, it was uh, Sicario uh, back in like, I don't know, mid last year. And he was really, you know, really, really good in that opposite Emily Blunt. And also in Black Panther, he's, he's just seems to be really, really good. And I see on IMDb right now trending as you know, they have the thing at the top of the page, just sort of carouseling around and around. They've actually got a special feature on him right now about how his career has progressed. And I think, this this performance without any shadow of doubt is the best yet um really really strong actor really great well, yeah uh, great shout out for those movies and another great movie that is in is uh, get out as well which is a a really awesome thriller um and again uh, a bit of a commentary on society at the moment so yeah i think definitely he's got a, an awesome career and already an awesome back catalog of movies great choice of movie of the week dan we came in hot. I, um, you know, I always say I'm going to have to like step up so that I can match uh, Paul's level of movies, and I, I feel like this week maybe I did it. You know, you did. Congratulations! I like you. When I saw the poster, I didn't know what to to expect, and this delivered a really, a really incredible movie. And as you say, everyone should, if they get the chance, go see it. Highly recommended. All right, must be time for a little bit of news. So speaking actually of um, uh, Queen and Slim, the, uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, one of the leads for that movie, has actually been cast in the Witcher prequel, Blood Origin. So we'll be seeing more of her in the very near future, which is very exciting. Um, as we've just been saying, she was she was amazing in this movie, so can't wait to see more of her. We've also got a little bit of news around uh, Harry Potter live-action TV series and and early development at HBO Max. So that's going to be pretty interesting for those Harry Potter fans out there. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of probably interesting things to learn uh, from some of the newer Harry Potter movies. It'll be interesting to see what way they go with this. And we all know that early development can go in many different ways. Um, you know, they have early development with things like Game of Thrones where they had a whole bunch of different scripts written um, and then they they might, you know, create a few of them, see what sort of works. So I don't know about you, Paul, but I, I would be interested in some HBO Harry Potter TV series. Oh, 100%. How could you say no? It would just be great. It's, you know, we've had those those two spin-off movies, which, which have been fine, but, you know, if we could if we could bring it back to a TV format, uh, well, not bring it back, if we could, if we could get a... a uh, you know harry potter get it back into the main characters i'd love that because i came to harry potter much later than probably most people did and so i had the ability to actually watch those movies almost back to back in one go which uh was extraordinary so i, I would love that mm-hmm. very exciting stuff and i imagine there'll be lots of excited people uh what else have we got here so it looks like so vikings uh the tv show has just recently finished but there is already a spin-off in the works um, called Vikings Valhalla, which is basically set, I think it's about a uh, hundred years after um, the original Vikings. And so that's due to come out on Netflix later this year, potentially, or early uh, 2022. Um, I'm a big fan of Vikings, definitely keen to see more in that space. So that should be interesting. It looks like The Mandalorian Season 3 will start filming in April. Exciting exciting times, Paul. Amazing. That's that's not far away at all. Great. No, no. I think um, that's very promising. I think it does, again, reconfirm how late we might get The Mandalorian Season 3. Um, and, you know, it could even creep into um, 2022, depending on what happens. But look at 
it's just awesome that they're they're already um, all set to start filming again, which is great times. What else have I got here? So um, Misha Green um, from Lovecraft Country is going to pick up directing Tomb Raider 2, the movie. Lovecraft Country, awesome TV show. You should definitely check that out if you haven't already. And so definitely really keen to see what Misha Green is going to do with that one. And then my final bit of news for you, Paul, Fraggle Rock, what are your thoughts? Pro or against? I feel like at the time it was amazing. I worry if I rewatch it, I may be very let down. But at the time it was brilliant. And the theme song, once it's in your head, you'll never get it out. Well, I've got some good news for you. Well, it's not all good news. Um, Apple TV has secured the rights for, you know, to, to play the reruns. So that's going to be coming on there soon. The bad news for you, you don't have Apple TV, Paul. You're going to have to wait for this uh, Chromecast Apple TV plug-in situation and then you'll be able to get your Fraggle Rock on. Um, and there's also, to support that, so not only are we getting the the whole back catalogue of the Fraggles, there is um, a whole sort of new series of Fraggle Rock shorts being developed called Fraggle Rock Rock On. So, <laughs> rock on, rock on. So, uh, who knows who it's for? But I was a really big Fraggle fan as a as a kid. Um, I'm not sure I've got really any interest in in rewatching it now. Um, but I imagine it's probably got some some great adult jokes in the in the background there. But that is all that I have on my news desk, Paul. How about you? I love the way you call it your, your news desk because those first couple of stories, then. I think credit where credit is due. I was just looking through our, our Discord community news channel and uh, actually Michael Chalmers from North Carolina, who's a, a member of our, our Discord community, he actually, you know, he's, he's brought that news to us. I feel like he should be on the, the payroll here at Half Measures. Michael Chalmers works for me. And so when he gives it to me, it comes on my news desk, all right? That's <laughs> Michael Chalmers works for me. That's brilliant. Um, okay, well, some stories that weren't uh, from Sador, we have... Uh, cult US burger chain Five Guys will be opening its first New Zealand burger stores uh, next year. So that's very exciting. If you've ever had a burger from one of those, that news obviously will be quite limited to you know people who are in New Zealand at this point, especially given the state of the world. But hey, you've talked about popcorn before, and so so there we go. Um, piece of news that may interest you, Dan. Kevin Hart is going to be joining the cast of the movie adaptation of the video game Borderlands. Um, so he'll be joining Kate Blanchett um, to be in that movie. Um, could be a good in for me because I've got no idea what this game is about, but everyone talks about it all the time. Um, and the only other news, which uh, isn't great news at all, is that the, the the James Bond movie, No Time to Die, it's now 8th of October 2021. It's been pushed back again. And I'll tell you what, I will, you know, we've seen this now. It was supposed to be April 2020. I would not be surprised if it goes again the way the world is going. So we're just going to have to keep on waiting and keep on hoping that maybe they release it on a streaming platform for us. It's, I feel like it was inevitable that it was going to happen, that it was going to get delayed again. But I, like, I don't know, Paul, like how long, how long do they hold it in the, in the back catalogue? I, I just feel like the more they hold it, the more hyped up and excited people get as well. And you know, it just it just worries me a bit, like a bit like uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Just get it out there, get it out to the people. I feel like they're still going to make a killing on streaming. I feel like when we're back in the movie theater game, bring back all of these movies for like a, a ten dollar watch at the theater, and I'm sure people will get all over it. It just seems it seems so crazy to delay a movie. 18 months from when it was meant to be out. Yeah, it's it's crazy and it's it's sad because, yeah, because it's also, I guess it's, is it holding up? Would they have announced the new Bond? Would they have started planning the new Bond? I don't know. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I've got uh, on the news front uh, this week, Dan. However, I can dive across into our mailbag where uh, first of all we have uh, Jamie Richards from Ohio. Uh, he said he liked our Dak Waters review. He added a comment that we all owe Roger Billet a huge debt for what he's done and 100% agree there, Jamie. That was 
a great movie of the week, just like this week's two two great movies in a row. Thanks for your comment, Jamie. Um, we had quite a lot of noise around our review of Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise. Um, we actually had a number of the cast and crew get involved on Instagram and Twitter, and as well as support from our podcast maestro Starscream, aka Frank Todaro, we also had Megatron actor Jason Manoka. Uh, he listened to our review last year and he once again listened to, to this review and he even corrected me on our Instagram page for my pronunciation of his family names, hence why I've definitely made a point of getting it right this time. So apologies for that, Megatron. Won't happen again and we are absolutely honoured to have you listening to our, our podcast. But it's not just the Decepticons, Then We also had some Autobots too, uh, including Kaiser Johnson, who plays Ironhide, Lindsay Rousseau, who plays Alita One, Aaron Veach, who plays Prowl, Sean Hawkins, who plays Mirage, and Bill Rogers, who plays Wheeljack, all involved. In fact, we actually had a total of seven members of the cast. We had the writers, Gavin Hignite, Tim Sheridan, the two head producers, FJ DeSanto and Matt Murray on there. We had executive producer Vincent Talenti. We had the show's music composer, Alexander Bornstein, animation supervisor, Jack Liang and the production company Polygon Pictures who do all the animation. All of these people were all on our Instagram page. We had over a dozen comments on there and thank yous for a review. In short, it's the biggest response we've ever had from any TV show or movie. And I just, I love that because, you know, they give us this thing that, that we love. So it's so great that we have a platform to be able to give back our appreciation for what they've made. So, so yeah, that was fantastic. So roll on the final chapter, Kingdom, I guess in the next 12 months, eh? Hey? Yeah, probably. We we didn't have to wait too long for um, this latest chapter. So, you know, it could kind of be middle of the year-ish, but maybe. Mm, that'd be nice. Maybe, hey? yeah, yeah. Something to look forward to. And um, and finally in the mailbag, uh, last week's peak performance for, for Kevin Costner. So we had uh, Norman Lau from Mission Log Pod. Uh, he said his guilty pleasure is Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Great choice. Uh, Norman, who's recently relocated from California to Florida. Great to see he's still got time to get in amongst some half measures. We have Maltese Falcon. That's the username on Twitter from Canada. Also went with Prince of Thieves. Uh, he said, based on Costner's accent alone being an art form. So uh, so a lot of votes going on for, for Robin Hood. And it didn't stop there. We had we had two three two ones uh, from Ian and Barbara from Cork in Ireland. Ian went with... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Dance with Wolves, and number one was The Untouchable, whilst Barbara went with The Bodyguard, Dances with Wolves, and Prince of Thieves. So a lot of love for these uh, movies. A lot of the same movies were, were floating around. We also had The Bodyguard was number one movie for um, Thomas Whittiora, uh from New Zealand, who was in agreement with you, Dan, and also commented he would like to have seen Kevin Costner play Vesemir in The Witcher so uh, I, I've not seen that, but I know that that means something to you. Um, yeah, we had, so we had a lot of Prince of Thieves and Bodyguard choices this week, but the, perhaps the final authority on Kevin Costner's peak performance is the one that we got from the official Kevin Costner fan club in Italy who gave us A Perfect World as their number one. That's a movie he starred opposite Clint Eastwood in. And I've got to be honest, I don't think I've seen that since it came out to rent that blockbuster video back in 1993. So those are our peak performance choices, Dan. Can I just comment on this one, Paul? Um, and look, much love for anyone who's commenting on our post, but I, I, I must admit, I, I saw that comment there saying, um, saying his movie choice for Kevin Costner. And I think the thing that threw me is I think is, oh, this is a tough one. But I feel like if you're a Kevin Costner fan page, you you would surely know all of your favourite movies, you would have them on lock just for the special occasion. Um, and to, to narrow it down to one and sort of struggle with it, it really threw me. Maybe we'll have to get them on and just uh, dive a bit deeper into into the agony of why that choice, because uh, it was an interesting choice. I didn't expect that. But, you know, that's the mailbag anyway this week. So if you'd like to be in the mailbag next week, then yeah, drop us a line at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or go to halfmeasurespodcast.com. Awesome. So it must be time for our peak performance of the week. 
Yes, so much like the movie of the week, each week Dan and I take it in turns to choose an actor or director or producer, maybe even a composer, I don't know. There's no real rules around this. Everything's a little bit half measures around here. But this week, Dan, it was my choice and I gave to you the actor Lawrence Fishburne. So do you want to take us away with your time team three, two, one, please? <laughs> the, the, the time tent three, two, one, definitely. So yeah, look, uh, you know, we say this about everyone who we do a peak performance for, but obviously uh, Lawrence Fishburne has been around for a long time. He's been in a lot of of classic uh, movies and TV shows. Um, but I think for my three, two, one this week, this is how it's going to play out. So uh, number three for me. I'm going to go with Boys in the Hood for Lawrence Fishburne's role as uh, Jason Furious Styles, And he's actually got this really great scene in that movie um, where he, he talks about gentrification and, and what's going on in the hood. And I just recently rewatched it on YouTube just to sort of remind myself of, of how great it was. And obviously Lawrence Fishburne was quite a bit younger um, when, when he played this role. Uh, this movie came out and, God, when was Boys in the Hood? It must have been... Uh, no, oh, 2012. Mm. I, I, I would have said it was older than that, but yeah, it's um, yeah, no, look, it's uh, yeah, no, is that right? That surely can't be right. I, I surely, like- can you fact check that for me, Paul? I'm, I'm looking on a website, it sometimes gives me wrong information. You know, the one I'm talking about, sometimes it's a bit wrong. 1991. Oh, I see what they've done here. This is when it was released. On, they've they've put the re, the streaming release date instead of the actual release date. I was like, oh, that's what's happened to Lawrence Fishburne in in like nine years. He's aged so much. Crazy. Anyway, that's that's my number three. My number two. I'm actually going to go with Hannibal, the TV TV show. So, you know, Paul and I huge Hannibal fans. Um, absolutely love that show. That you know, when you talk about rewatching things, that would be a great show to watch. Um, Lawrence's role as Jack Crawford, absolutely incredible. Um, so awesome, can't fault it, and such a, a a great extension to the the Silence of the of the Lambs universe. But my number one position, probably to no one's shock, is I'm going to go with um, Morpheus from The Matrix. So, you know, we do a lot of three, two, ones here, and I've had to give up a, a one spot for the Matrix before, but here's my chance to bring in, in the Matrix into a number one spot. Um, Morpheus is a, a classic, classic character. Um, you know, there wouldn't be many people who wouldn't know who Morpheus is when it comes to the Matrix, and I think just such a, a timeless, badass, incredible role, um, and... Yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough. So my three, two, one: Boys in the Hood, Hannibal with the TV series, and The Matrix. How about you, Paul? Great choices. I have to admit, sometimes when I do a, when it's my turn to pick for the peak performance. I sometimes think, oh, I wonder if Dan will think of that. And then when he doesn't, and then I announce it, he'll be really triggered. But you didn't fall for that trap. You went. You went there. It was Hannibal. Uh, that I I was going to have as well as in my top three. I had it at number three as Jack Crawford, uh, just as you said, absolutely brilliant with Bill Graham and those those tense fight scenes that he had with Hannibal Lecter. Some of the most tense television ever. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I'm still, you know, we did that podcast a while ago about TV shows that were cancelled too soon. This is just right up there as terms of a show that should never have been cancelled. Everyone in this show was great, and you know, Lawrence Fishburne as Jack was. Absolutely no exception. My number two is the 1995 movie Just Cause, uh, where he plays opposite Sean Connery. Um, so that's the movie about a Harvard professor who's lured back into court after 25 years to take the case of a young black man condemned to death for the horrific murder of a child. Really powerful movie, really good movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but when I was going through the list, it instantly came back to me. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, as always, another one for the rewatch. A, a great movie. And an excuse to see Connery too, but yeah, Fishburne was great in that. And like you, like most of the world, I'm sure, no surprise, The Matrix. No one else could have played Morpheus, could they? It, it, when I think about his performance, the delivery of the lines, he has what I would call a calm in- intensity about the way he delivers lines. Like he's such a wise, not Yoda, but some sort of, 
so trusting. Like he, no matter what he said, I would believe it. His voice is just perfect. And then you throw in the sunglasses and the and the jacket and the look is 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 great. And so, you know, the Matrix is a top film. Lawrence Fishburne is a massive part of the success of that whole trilogy. And I tell you now, Dan, we're still hoping for this fourth movie. And there are rumors out there that he might not be in it. And I'll tell you honestly, I will love it if he's in this fourth movie. Love it. I honestly thought you were going to jump on your. I will fly to Australia, or I'll fly to LA, and I will. What it? What you do to to rough people up, Paul, to yeah. to get them where they need to be? Oh, I will. Um, I, I just can't imagine uh, um, a fourth movie with no Morpheus. I, I'm looking. I'm looking online now, and uh, you know how they have uh, projects underway. Either this is the biggest cover-up operation where they're going to go with a surprise. Oh, we said we wouldn't be in it, but actually, he is. I tell you, I'm 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 so looking forward to this movie. But at the same time, I'm just going to be waiting until it would be like watching The Force Awakens. If you could imagine sitting next to me in the cinema watching The Force Awakens, just thinking, "Where's Mark Hamill? Where's Mark Hamill? Where's Mark Hamill?" And then only getting three seconds of him in the last. 10 seconds of the movie i tell you that's how i'm going to be with lawrence fishburne in this one well paul that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the half missions podcast it does indeed so once again our thanks to time traveling team for not only having us on their podcast last week but also for sponsoring this week's episode Special thanks to Trisha Brady and Samara King for being uh, patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron, then you can find our details down in the show notes below. Uh, until, oh, Paul, you've got one more thing. I was just to say, until then, Dan, enjoy the shield. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Uh, until next week, everyone. Adios.